0: Hello, world! Welcome to another episode of the Deep Dive with Ayal Shai. Today I'm joined by João Mateus. Hi, João.
1: Hi, Ayal. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, What is an idea that's been helping you live well?
1: Yeah, so I would say uh, learning how to improvise better. So uh, I spent like more than half of my life uh, playing the guitar. And uh, like in that period, I spent almost like, so I want to say like eight years probably just studying jazz and improvisation and understanding the basics of musical improvisation was like phenomenal to then help me realize how to improvise better in my day to day. And so this whole relationship between music improvisation and improvising in life uh, is something that for the past year years uh, as has been helping me a lot um and uh, yeah, yeah so that's that's the main idea i guess
0: yeah and it's something that i wish i could say i played an instrument i never have i barely have a functioning sense of rhythm but i can appreciate it and i'm kind of jealous that you came upon this idea like early in life um yeah. but can you describe uh, maybe something I don't know. A, yeah, something from yeah. your childhood that really, yeah, is connected yeah. with that.
1: Yeah. So I, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll give you like the way I got into music, like the story that I got in, uh, how I got right. into music. So basically, I was a professional swimmer until I was like twelve, um, and and I really enjoyed it. But it came to a point where I was just traveling the country to all these different places, just swimming. I was getting really tired of it. I was practicing like every single day. And I'm from this small town that you know, in Portugal called Alcabaza, but like I was training uh, in Nazaré, which you also know. So basically I was going to, I, I was doing that all that journey every single day and just then swimming and then coming back to Alcabaza. And then on the weekends I would travel all around Portugal and I was getting really tired. So I told my mom that, ah, I don't know if this is, is, is for me, I just want to quit. And my, both my mother and my parents believed that um, my education would be more complete if i had if i gone to school of course but also have some other activity uh in that in in to, to complement school and so we had a guitar both my mother and parent knew how to play a few chords and they were like well it wouldn't be great if someone knew really how to play and how to read music and all that stuff and, and so uh i said yes not because i wanted to but because i wasn't yet a rebel kid and so I, I I would do what my mother would say basically and so I started to learn how to play the guitar and I sucked at it like I didn't enjoy it at all it was crazy how, like I would go to the classes I would bring like the guitar I would take the guitar out of the bag I tried to play I would pack the guitar I would I would I would go home leave the guitar alone for a week and then repeat this process over mm-hmm. and over again right and so but because I was smart, I, I tried I always tried to, basically I, I tried to play whatever we were learning like at first sight, so just trying to ace it, which usually didn't win that well. And so my other approach would be I would ask philosophical questions to the teacher. So he would spend a lot of time just talking about it and we would cut a class time. But uh, that wasn't a viable strategy. And one day like I, my teacher was like, Like in a 45-minute class, he spent like 42 just destroying me and saying things like, oh, you are wasting your time. You're wasting my time. This doesn't make any sense. You don't study. You should quit this. (laughs) Like all this crazy stuff. And I remember like leaving that classroom, closing the door, guitar on my back, and I would go like, oh, really? You'll see about that. And I went Uh home and I started to practice like a madman. And I fell in love with it, and so basically, I went from the kid who wasn't going to ever be like be able to play the guitar to the best student in school. I represented the the, the school in a bunch of of contests, and I decided I wanted to be a musician. Um, and so basically, like it, it wasn't one of the, like this teacher that spent all this time just destroying me. He's a very good friend mm-hmm. of mine today. He plays with this very really? uh, known Portuguese band. Yeah, absolutely. We became like. Three weeks after he he said that, like we were already like very uh, connected because suddenly I was a kid who was very, very, very so, interested in the So proving... did
0: he do you think do you think he had an idea that like he did that for this effect exactly, or was he just genuinely out of you? I patience have no idea.
1: <laughs> I have no idea. Like it worked. It seriously worked, and like I a part of me wants to think that he had that insight. But I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I, actually, <laughs> I never asked him because I think he doesn't even remember this. Like, right. there was this one time where we, we were playing at a small bar and, and we, we were both playing. I had my band. He had his. And afterwards, we were just talking and I was like, well, you know, I didn't even want to learn how to play the guitar. Like, it, it was because of you, like, because of that class where you just destroyed me for, mm-hmm. for 42 minutes. And he was like, what? I did what? And I was like, mm, yeah, he doesn't even remember. So, so I guess uh, he didn't had that that insight. But, but yeah. So basically, I, I I decided I wanted to be a musician. I spent like this was in seventh grade. So I spent like those three years um, just learning how to play. I I, I formed the band um, and and we played like the local uh, bars, uh, and and it was very. Cool, because we were like all of us were basically teenagers. We were in ninth grade, so fourteen years old, fifteen years old, playing in these spots where everyone was drinking a lot of beer, and we would ask for like an orange juice because we couldn't drink. Right. So, yeah. uh, and and so, so that all experience was was crazy as well. And then I was fortunate enough to, because um, I was I was learning how to play the classical guitar, but I really wanted to play like electric. Um, like my band, I was playing electric guitar, and I was fortunate enough to, in high school, um, like in Alcubasa, there, we opened the school opened a professional course on music, which is basically this more technical approach to, to high school. And, and yeah, I did three years in, in high school studying music, specifically jazz. And that was like crazy. I learned a lot during that. And I and it actually helped me develop my entrepreneurial mindset because like I was 16 years old and I had like three or four different groups. I was trying to sell my music. I was trying to understand what are some of the best players in the, in the area that I can play with and learn with. I was also dealing with issues like I have the best drummer in like... I don't know, in, in the whole town, even bigger than town. Like we I was playing with a very, very good drummer, but he was one of those guys that he would never um like be on schedule for rehearsals or for mm-hmm. even for concerts. So I was dealing with questions like, well, I have this very talented person right here, but he's also hurting the band by not being like on time and on being like a, a good professional. So am I going to keep him in, in the band? Am I going to leave it? Uh, and so all those questions I was facing that, all, all those dilemmas and all those challenges throughout like my teenage years, basically. Um, and then I went to college, and that's like a whole another another story. Uh, because uh, do do you think it's relevant for me to tell you?
0: No, yeah, I think I think for me it's it's interesting. First of all, because it's I, I like it because I just uh, listened to um, Flea talking with. Uh, I can't, what podcast was it? like? Oh, the Mark <laughs> Marin podcast. Um, so it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with all the intrigues behind, like behind the scenes on music bands and stuff. So that's really yeah. cool. But that's just a side comment. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I, I get your meaning because so much, so many times in life, you know, I think it's the default for many people to think things through. And this is what we're told is like, you must come up with a plan. And there's such a, a huge bias, I think in uh, a bit in literature or whenever you go online and you talk to people about starting a business or doing anything. And there's so much emphasis on planning correctly and following the footsteps of other people as if you Mm. could ever do that, you know, and not, not many people. I, I think then you start talking with actual people who have, uh, made it in a field or have gotten to some point where they've produced something good and then you realize like in the end you have to get your get wet and just you know to go back to the swimming metaphor just jump yeah. in the water and start 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 paddling right it's like yeah um so i i think that's really beneficial that you had this background already of of uh, improvisation in in terms of your background, like were you always um, drawn to to improvisation, like a type of music that requires you to improvise, or is it just yeah. like um, in the you know whenever you were writing your own songs or composing things?
1: No, it was like I I, I from the moment I understood that there was this possibility of improvising in music, I was I was hooked, like. For the first three years, I I was playing rock and I was playing like literally whatever the guys were playing. I was just playing that. And then when I went to high school and suddenly someone said, well, this is something called jazz. Which like jazz wasn't the thing that I enjoyed, but like the the improvisation aspect of it. Of course, now I enjoy deeply jazz, but back then I, I wasn't liking that much. Like the improvisational aspect of it was like, oh my God, this is so Amazing because I can play whatever I want, whatever I'm feeling like playing. Right. And so, and, and, and so I like improvisation was always something that I, that I really enjoyed. Um, and, and it still is. And like, and there, there are so many parallels between the, the musical improvisation and like in, in our day to day lives. Like, um, I, I, I usually, usually, when I, when I talk about this, I have this situation that, I, that I, I I pose, which is like you have three possible scenarios. You wake up, you plan your day, and everything goes according to plan. To me, it never happens. Then you have the second right. scenario, which is you wake up, you plan your day, and like 19% of things go according to plan. There's only one or two things where, you, they, where they don't, and that to me rarely happens. And the third one and more common one in my life and in life of people that I used to talk with is you wake up, you plan your day, and then life happens, right? And suddenly you're going through a bunch of experiences that you didn't plan. And maybe you Mm -hmm. got some piece of good news or bad news, or suddenly someone calls you, or you have like this, or you're laid off or fired, or you actually have this job opportunity. So you have all these things that you didn't plan. And through all of those situations, the only thing that you can do is to basically improvise, right? So we spend, in my worldview, if, if we use this worldview as like to watch live, we spend a lot of time improvising, a lot of time dealing with the unknown, right? And it's crazy to me that we spend so much time improvising, but besides musicians or improv, theater, like most people don't even know the basics of improvisation, right? And mm. so... It's crazy to me that we spend so much time improvising, but no one ever tells you like, well, first of all, improvisation can be studied. It's not acing things. You, you can actually learn how to improvise better. And second, if you're going to be on on a lot of contexts where you need to improvise, maybe it's it should be something that you think about preparing for those for those different contexts. Uh, and, and yeah, and, and there's a lot of parallels. Like I remember the first time that I gave Uh, A a course uh, like a training course, I like there was this two emotional uh, two day course on emotional intelligence, and that was the first time I realized that spending so much time studying uh, like musical improvisation was actually helping me to improvise in other contexts Mm
0: because I was giving
1: this two day course on emotional intelligence. I read like thousands of books and hundreds of videos and all that stuff to get prepared. It was this two-day course divided into two mornings into afternoons, and each morning and afternoon were divided into parts. And so it was my first course. I was very uh, anxious. I had like 27 managers of a big company in Portugal. Just sitting there listening and i was like we we did the first part and i told everyone well we're going to take a break and as soon as people leave i'm, I'm like oh this is going very well i'm really enjoying it and so now look at my notebook and i realized that in the first part of the first morning i had given like all the ideas for for the rest of the day because i was so nervous that mm-hmm. i was just talking mm-hmm. and just shooting information all over the place and suddenly i was like oh i don't have a plan <laughs> what am I going to do right now? And so, I, I, in in nine minutes, like the, the, it was a ten minute break, I spent one minute panicking, and in nine minutes, I just started to improvise games, and and the natural way that I was able to come up with these games by by what I now see is to use the principles in, that I use in in, in musical improvisation. I. I created these quick games, and then people come up uh, back to the course. We did the games. They loved it. Like in the in the second day, I was able to pace myself better. But in the end, I asked them, well, what was your favorite part? And almost all of them said, oh, those little games that you that played uh, okay. yesterday. And I was like, at the end, of course, I was like, the only reason why I was able to do that was because I'm so used to improvisation in other contexts that I was able to practice the same principles. And that was the first time I realized, well, wow what a great skill to have uh, and how valuable uh, it, it is.
0: Right. So yeah, for me, I'm the same way as a tour guide. I see tour guides who just have their, everything is just already set. They know what they're going to say, where, and I just see all the places where it doesn't necessarily fit with the people you're with and so on so i just like to go out there and see what comes up and comment because in the end like you say there's going to be a bird that comes through and i'm like oh that's a rare bird you know or all these and and i think it's it's important not to fall into the the old tropes that you know so well because you can then be also as excited as the people that are that are with you You know, and I I try to keep this freshness with people where I'm also doing this for the first time rather than because I could, you could go somewhere and like not comment on all the things that are unusual and make it seem that everything is normal. And in, in that scenario, you can kind of play the role of somebody who's like the boss or like owns the place or like really knows what they're doing and. I guess it's appealing to some people, both as, let's say, people who who come to have an experience or the people giving the experience. Um, But to me, I I much rather have the freshness of actually being able to to improvise so it's not boring for me. And then I can get along and be more on the side of the experiencer when it comes to experiencing things. And it just... um, seems yeah less less boring because we our mind loves novelty and new things and things that it hasn't seen before right um yeah Yeah. in terms of improvisation and how to actually work on it what is the 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 first thing that you would tell someone to like work on improvising and then i'll follow up with another question which you already have
1: yeah so so I, i think i'm going to pick up in your example so uh, you what you just said, like the, the idea of just let's pick up as a tour guide, let's pick these these people up and let's see what happens. The only reason why you can do this is because you you' you're you have like these two competencies. Uh, which are fundamental to any jazz musician or anyone that wants to improvise. The first one is competence itself, right? So the only reason why you're able to let's just go and see what happens is because you'll see a bird and you know what kind of bird that that Mm -hmm. bird is or what kind of plant that is or what's the story behind that building or behind that alley. So the first thing that you want to do if you want to improvise better is to understand, well what is the context that I want to be able to improvise better and be very competent at at that. There's there's just no other way. Like a jazz musician will be able to play any kind of chord that you put him in front of him because he knows all the chords and he practices like all the scales through all the chords. Right. And that's the only reason why he can then improvise in whatever song pops up because he knows literally all the chords that that there Mm -hmm. is to know. So confidence is very important. And second one, so I would say that to, to practice improvisation, that would be the first thing, like become really competent at something. And the second thing is uh, you, you need to be able to listen. And what I mean by listening, I'm not talking about specifically listening with your ears, but to listen to the situation. So once again, mm-hmm. in our example, if you're coming with a group, you're trying to understand what are they interested in. Like you're listening to the vibe that these people are saying. And maybe they mm. say, like, I remember having a call with you and I was like, oh, and I, I'm a foodie. I, I really enjoy food when I'm traveling. And you were like, oh, if you really enjoy food, then the place where you want to go is this one, not this one, because X, Y, and Z. And so you like... If you want to improvise, you want to be very competent, but you also want to listen to whatever the group or whatever the context is asking for so you can then deliver that through your competence, right? And so I would guess like, if you're starting to learn how to improvise or if you want to be able to improvise better in a certain context, you want those two things. You want to be very competent at something. And that's like understanding like, being good at your craft basically that's that's the best way to 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 put it and then you need to be listening to the situation and understanding like how to deal or what what is the situation demanding and how can you provide it in in the in in the in the best way so i would say to start with with these two ideas
0: yeah no that that's perfect that makes so much sense and it makes me think that you know even in art even just in music there there are kind of two ways of making art because Um, The picture which I uh, painted, quote unquote, first is that of a regular artist. Or I think people would say that's like normal art is somebody who's writing, composing a song in their own room. They go, they practice it. They get out this beautiful product, you know, and this can be a song. This can be a painting, whatever. And then it's out there and they're not going to be in the room when somebody actually interacts with it and it's kind of a, of a one way uh, thing and they have no control of how people perceive it or in what atmosphere it's going to be played in a restaurant. It's going to be played in a theater, all these different things. And then the other mode of actually being live, right? This is why you can listen to a song in your room and yet you would still go to a live concert because there's the, interaction and i think that's where um the improvisation comes into play because you said improvisation i think you said interaction it's it's almost something which is going together there's just more of fluidity there and especially when it comes to relationships and actually being around other people this is where Improvisation is so important because if I go back to my example, if you have the tour guide, which just comes to perform and doesn't react, you know, maybe this is a family with children. They don't care so much about so much talk, you know, they like a game or it's a family of um, people who have a hard time walking and all your plan, your only plan was to walk all day. You can see a lot of a lot of traps where the flow can be when be yeah. uh, the flow can be dampened yeah. stopped.
1: Yeah, you're adjusting, and that's why. In, sorry to interrupt but, but that's why like for me being a jazz musician was the best school that I could have on human relationships because what happened is I remember going to this a national contest represented the university and there was this very known jazz musician there and he said something that really like shaped my the way I saw music and, and also relationship with he, he he said that the function of any jazz musician is to make all the other musicians in the band sound better so What what means by this is when Mm -hmm. you're playing with a group and you're listening to whatever people are are playing and if you're focused on how can I make that sound better? Like if everyone does this, it suddenly becomes like this bigger than the music, like the band becomes an entity of, of its own. Right? You're not like, it's not João playing and uh, Ayal playing the drums. It's like they're together playing something bigger. Right? And the only reason that, or the only way you can do this is by being very active, by not judging whatever the other person is playing and actually work on top of that. Right? So, as a tour guide, once again, picking up your example, let's say that I come around and I see that the family that I have has kids. My mindset can either be, well, they brought kids, that's their problem, I'm going to do this. Right. Because right. that's the way right. I plan yeah. or it can be, OK, I have these two players. I want to play with them. So how can I adjust whatever I'm doing to play with them? Right. And that's what happens a lot in, 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 in jazz music is you're playing and suddenly the drummer just changes the rhythm or, or, die, or, or like the penis gives this wrong chord. Right, and it's your function if you're soloing and the piano, and the pianist plays this wrong chord. It's your function as a musician to listen to that chord and instead of just judging and thinking, how can I make that sound better? Right, and you develop these very deep relationships. With, that's why, like, you can in a rock band, and I have this theory where in a rock band. Like, you cannot. You can. You have the luxury to not like the other people and still mm-hmm. be able to play live. Because mm-hmm. since everything is already scripted or, or written out, you're always playing the same solos, singing the same songs. You don't have to have a connection among you. Like you can go there, play your part, and that's it. Uh, right. And uh, Guns N' Roses come to mind where Axel Rose and Slash didn't talk for like these, a bunch of years. And they were still playing live because their part was basically scripted. But like in jazz musician, uh, in, in jazz music, if you're angry, at your double bass player, that will notice. Like people will notice, the band will yeah. notice, and everyone will notice because you're not receptive to to, to whatever is playing. And and uh, likewise from yeah. the double place to you, right? So I, I, I truly believe that the relationships, as you were saying, like your proficiency is really important in, in relationships, and you need to be able to precisely understand, well instead of judging whatever the other person is suggesting or, or the vibe that is coming or the reality that's happening, instead of fighting reality, you just accept it and you work w- with it. And, and like th- that whole mindset shift was something that I learned with improvisation that I think everyone should. like. Instead of fighting reality, just embrace it and work uh, uh, on top of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to something you said. At some point you said, oh, at that point, at like 12 or something, I wasn't yet available. And then later on, you mentioned how, um, uh, what, how did you say later on? You mentioned, uh, I think, uh, don't remember, but the, the idea is it, it came to my mind, oh, you said this, like, we don't teach enough, uh, improvisation to children. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was thinking in my mind, well, is, is that a coincidence or is it in the service of people who are actually trying to run a business properly or like have power, which, you know, have power and influence, it takes um, people that you can influence in order to do that, that are predictable in a way. And if you want people to be predictable, you don't really nudge them toward becoming great improvisers or independent free thinkers, right? Yeah. So the question is, were you going to become a rebel no matter what, or is it partly improvisation and the the reality that you learn this stuff that kind of took you more to a direction of like, Hey, you know, there's this well-tread path where everybody's going because, you know, you're being funneled through this education system, which is kind of trying to crunch anyone who doesn't fit into the mold. Um, And then you were probably just not going to take it anymore after learning that improvising is just more fun and more
1: satisfying. Absolutely. So that's such a great question. Uh, And I, I guess that like, I, I think of myself as a deep thinker, so if but, but I don't think I would be like a free thinker or, or an independent thinker if I didn't go through to, to music as as a whole and I would end up like being a very good engineer, academic uh, historian or whatever uh, because because yeah because it makes total all sense uh, it makes total sense like and and as you're saying it, it, I, it, maybe it's not a coincidence that we are not Teaching kids how to improvise and how to, to come up with their own ideas and how no, to no, it's try scary. Things. Then you
0: have unpredictable yeah. people. They just do yeah. things they feel yeah, like yeah. one day, and then the next they do another, and they don't go through the you know co- conventional routes, yeah. and they don't. Um, yeah, they might. Yeah, it, they might and, do and things. It's, yeah,
1: yeah. It's 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 funny because. Like, I, I, I'm so glad that I got into music like three years, like in seventh grade and not in ninth grade, because in ninth grade in Portugal, you have to choose, like, which area are you going to follow? We have sciences, humanities, economics, and mm. then the professional courses. Right. Uh, and, and because I was already playing for three years, I got the emotional strength. Uh, to say to people that were surrounding me on ninth grade that everyone like my parents were always very supportive they were like you do whatever you want as long as you're good at it but like the people around me everyone else wasn't that supportive of, of me going to music right. like and they were saying oh look study music on the side go to you're a good student go to you're a smart person go to sciences or even." maybe okay go to humanities if you like but like stick with that and I was like I want to be a musician and I was and I'm very grateful I tell them a lot of a lot of times like I'm very grateful for my parents because they say look whatever you want to do do it as long as you do it good uh like if I I think that maybe if I had got into music like a little bit later so in ninth grade maybe I didn't had the passion to say no, I'm. I'm going to pursue music. Maybe I would be like, yeah, maybe they're right. I'm going to study music on the side, and I'm going to do to go to the traditional route. Maybe, uh, and and but but yeah, it makes sense because educating kids and giving them like the tools so they can be like free thinkers. That's something scary if you want to to be able to control and to be able to predict whatever is going to happen uh, in in society as a whole. So. So yeah, never had that insight, but it makes total sense.
0: Yeah, I think I I see this all the time. You know, we speak so highly of democracy, um, and I've seen many signs in Portugal when I was. Uh, they're very excited about the 50th year for the of the revolution since the revolution yeah. soon um, next year, and we speak so highly of of democracy, but there are really two kinds of democracy. There's the the democracy where the focus is on, you know, one person, one vote. And it really doesn't matter who this person is. You know, they can be a complete idiot. Um, Whereas, you know, if you have a democracy, I would think that you want then people to be as smart as possible and as, you know, as good as they can be in terms of critical thinking and free thinking and discerning things and, and having good judgment. And I think our education system really shows what kind of democracy we're aiming at. And there's a part in, um, in Lackey's, which is a platonic dialogue, where there are four people And, um, or two people want advice and they're asking the advice from two generals. So these two generals don't agree between themselves. So they turn to Socrates and, um, they ask him to cast the last vote. So they know whose advice to take. And he's like, what are we, are we just going to go with numbers? And now not with anyone who's expert, like, wouldn't you take expert advice over the advice of. Many people who are not experts, and they and they say, of course, yes, and so on. Um, but later on, he plays a trick on them, which is really neat, and he kind of shows that now that he's convinced the the two guys, they can actually outvote the other people. So this is I'm just saying this to point out the problem with democracy is that it's a it's a very fertile ground for for demagogues, right? Because a demagogue can Literally a demagogue is a leader of people. He can just lead a group of people to say as he says. And now it's not really a democracy where it's one person, one vote, and they each are they each have a reasoned opinion about something. No, it's actually a person now practically owns this whole group of people right
1: yeah Um, and it makes the
0: whole the whole endeavor of democracy very different from what it it could be and i feel like this relates to improvisation for the reasons you mentioned because improvising as an individual creates a shit ton of confidence in you and about your abilities and pushes you if you do fail at some point which is bound to happen then it really pushes you to gain that competency which you were talking about so that you don't you know um, so-called stutter the next time and you just mm-hmm. go and you're able mm-hmm. to improvise and
1: mm-hmm.
0: being in the flow and achieving the competence and um yeah and the willingness to engage in that just is a total different experience from the first person yeah, perspective of too. course
1: of course and, and and you're entering as you know like in in one of my favorite topics ever which is education and uh and everything wrong with the current educational system and like i was i was listening to your your, your story in the way you were, you were talking about like the democracy or the kind of democracy we have and i was thinking, it's it's basically like soccer like football, you have like these teams, but instead of, of being football teams, you have like these parties or these political leaders, and everyone is just cheering for whatever they say for whatever happens, right? right? And I'm being and I'm happy if they win. I'm sad. I'm sad if they lose, regardless of how good they played. And in this case, of how good their ideas uh, uh, are, and yep. and it makes a little sense. And, and like I, I, I think that the problem is that we keep thinking that in order to educate kids, like I like there's this Twitter account called Rebel uh, Educator, which I really recommend. And they they put they put out a tweet last week, I think, asking what's something on the traditional system, the educational system that really bugs you, that makes that irritates you or makes you hangry. And I was like and my answer was clear. Like I, I in the moment I, I knew what I was going to answer, which is the lack of ambition. Because what happens is like education to me is like the best tool there is in in, 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 in you for humanity to grow. And the current a traditional educational system has access to almost all the future minds. Of course, you have a lot of projects in homeschooling, which is great, but like most people, I would say like 80% of the people are still going to, to, do, to the traditional system. And yet we're not encouraging them to be the great minds that I can be. We're aiming at like for them to be like mediocre, right? We're not aiming at each of these individual minds to develop their full potential regardless of the area. We're saying we're, you're all going to be exactly the same. And that makes me angry because as you were saying, like, I, and, and you po- you put it very well, like improvisation gives you a lot of confidence, especially because you're failing a lot because you're playing notes that don't make sense right and but you you became like incentivized to it like you're you make a mistake and you're like oh okay learning you didn't you don't even like, see it as a mistake. And in music, mm-hmm. you play a wrong note and you keep playing it over and over and over again until suddenly people are like, oh, maybe he's doing that on purpose. I'm not. I'm just repeating the mistake until <laughs> you guys suddenly think, oh, maybe he's doing the right thing. And so you, you end up developing this relationship with failure that brings a lot of confidence. And it's funny that confidence is not something we teach, right? Uh, in in, no. in the traditional system, right? And it should be because if we have, like, the most confident people will have the best results, right? We'll have someone who, like, and I'm, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about ego, of course, I'm talking about real confidence uh, rooted in, in, in serving others, but also in, in, like, the best version of oneself. Uh, and if you have, like, these com- confident people, they will have a tremendous impact on the world. They'll follow the, the best ideas for them. They'll be individual and critical thinkers. But we're not aiming at that. We're aiming at having a, a set of kids or, or of students that behaves the same way and, and plays the same games. And usually you have either a status game where I'm focusing on, oh, okay, so I need to go to that college because if I'm not going to that college, I'm not going to be uh, good. Or I need to have that job because if I don't get that job, I'm going to be a failure, right? Or I need to keep studying and studying and studying and do a master degrees and 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 a thesis and all these different things until like, and all of those things are good to some people, but to think that, that generalization that we can make to, to most of, of, of individuals, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. And I, I think that even more than free thinking, uh, no, free thinking should be, of course, part of it, but like helping people to develop confidence in themselves and, and, and to, be, to be able to pursue things that are interesting to them should be like a clear focus on, on educational system. And unfortunately, it's not. Uh, and I'm happy to see that there's an ever more growing number of companies just trying to promote alternatives to that, uh, to the traditional system. But we, we still have a long uh, a long path to, to walk. Um, and, and yeah, but, but that's a great principle to hold, like seeking to develop the confidence in students. Would be like a very good step to then solve other problems, like whatever you want to do, and like being critical thinkers and all that stuff. At least to me.
0: Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, one exercise that I can think of that's kind of funny is, you know, imagine a lion, um, a lion pride using our education system, right, with their with their cubs. It's just what are you going to get basically you're going to get cubs that never have the confidence to kind of go out there and do the hunt themselves and would always look behind their shoulder to like see what mama and papa are saying or thinking and really looking for um instruction all the time even when even as adults you know and it just doesn't work like that you don't have your uh father or mother to give you instructions all the time. And it, and then that's still how we raise children to always go yeah. consult somebody who knows. And that's just a good way of controlling people yeah. because then they are predictable. They don't make a, a, a weird move all of a sudden or a career change or chasing a dream or anything like that. Um, now, I don't usually go on this trope of, um, you know, slamming everything and everybody. I don't think there's actually a lot of um, malice behind it or like bad intentions but it's just how things are and the result is that um, you know i recently made the point to someone that um, domesticated animals and this is a a fact like especially dogs let's say um, in effect when we domesticate an animal we make it stay adolescent for the rest of its life it's like even adult dogs are puppy-like in nature compared to Mm. Uh, wild, wolves, wild wolves right yeah. um, and we have to remember that in many senses we are a domesticated species at this point point. Yeah. and because we are I think that many of the children we raise in our education system turn out to be adults but what we call an adult is really very far from from what the potential is for a human to be as you say we are so yeah. far from realizing potential as um, individual, confident, free-thinking um, animals who make reasoned choices about things. Yeah. And again, I don't think it's so much about bad intentions, but it could be. I mean, it, it certainly serves people who want to be powerful because you can only be powerful if you have people who who are primed to be compliant with orders. Well, if you try to give an order to somebody who is independent in their thought, they're just going to tell you no, and Mm -hmm. that's it. And of course we know that every, um, nation, and it doesn't matter what, you know, the, the million people who are listening to one dictator, or it Mm. can be 150 million, um, they could take out the dictator. Uh, but there's a reason they don't. So we usually place the blame on the dictator, which we should. But um, the people who really care about freedom, I think they should just invest as much time as they do in protesting the dictator, which is sometimes too risky to do, in just simply raising their children differently and telling them and you know, preparing the next generation to be free thinkers who would not comply with... Um, with yeah unjust orders or whatever
1: yeah and 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 i think that's part of 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 education as well and and i would say though that in my experience human beings have a hard time to be completely free in their thinking and in that sense like having a peer group of people that are giving their best to be critical thinkers as well that's something that really helps because uh, if if the only people that you know are people that are exactly on the same context as you are, say they go to the same classes or they took the same courses, they're working in the same place, if those are your peers, you'll be, you'll quickly, maybe without realizing, you'll be submitted to dogma, to whatever dogma mm-hmm. happens on that context, either the office or school or whatever. And so, because, it's really hard for human beings, in my experience, to just be able to sit completely free and come up with all these ideas with this very individual like worldview. At least I'm not there yet. And, and so, But one of the things that it definitely helps is to surround myself with people that are very different, that are also critical thinkers, and that challenge me on my views, and I can do the same with them, right? And that's another yes. thing that educational system does a lousy job at. Because the peers that you're having are all, all of them are being submitted to the same idea that, that, that you, you are, right. And, and it's not a coincidence that they use the word submission, right? Because submitted because there's a, a submissive aspect in education. Like there's this whole mm-hmm. theory of Paul Coelho, which is a Brazilian uh, pedagogical thinker, that he, he has this theory of the, the safe theory, or basically the, the, actually the banking theory, where uh, the, the teachers are these banks full of knowledge and the job of the students is to open their safe, store that knowledge, close that safe, and that's it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's the way we, we look at education, education. And, and so, maybe one of the things could be, well, let's first of all focus on interactions because kids will also have things to say. They'll also have experiences and they'll also have knowledge that maybe you don't have, right? And not only that, but also making sure that we are surrounded these kids with kids, students, adults, whatever. We're surrounding these learners uh, with, with people that don't believe the same thing as they do. And, and, and by putting them in, 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 this, in these groups, I, I believe, because it's my case, in the case of people that I admire, and you're, of course, one of them, uh, there's, there's your thinking just gets better because you're constantly being bombarded by either great ideas that you never thought about, or you're... exposing your ideas and getting feedback on on them. And sometimes that feedback is, oh, that's such a great point. I never thought about it. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe this makes sense. This resonated. Or maybe the the, the feedback is, look, have you ever thought about this, about that in this perspective or in that perspective? And suddenly you're like, oh, okay, I need to improve my thinking because I never thought about that, right? So those elements that's something that's not present in the educational system and it should be and we should be aiming at at least bringing those elements to more students uh, regardless of age so they can better so they can can become better at their own thinking and i do believe just to finish my point that that's a fundamental step in, in in getting to to what I call a modern golden age, because and I wrote about this. I have this whole theory about why high schoolers specifically are the key for us to get there, because we need to develop, like, we need to help them to develop like their current thinking into a way that allows them to live purpose led lives, uh, meaning they're they individual thinkers, they're pursuing things that make sense to them, they're solving problems that they want to solve, and also have an imp- like an impact on humanity as a whole. Because if you do this and and they start to live purpose-led lives, they will live a better life, of course. But not only that, but if you have like two high schoolers that started to live purpose-led lives when they were high schoolers and suddenly they're adults and they're educating their children, they'll educate it in a far, far different way than someone who just... Went to the traditional path, right? I saw, I, like, I was fortunate enough to meet to meet your family, and the way you're educating, like, your daughter, it's it's clearly the way that someone who does not, uh, you're you're not submissive to the current traditional educational system, and because of that, you're educating your daughter in a far much different way than, say, someone who just went through the traditional route, and, and, and it is going to instill those ideas in their children. So if you if you find a way to help high schoolers or to help young students to develop all these uh, these skills and live purpose-led lives, eventually they will educate their sons in a far more different way. And that will create like this ripple effect and this systematic change in the way we educate uh, children. And we can finally get to, to the modern golden age. Um, and that's yeah. my, 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 my theory.
0: I, I, I relate with that so much. And I think there's such an interesting thing to explore there because improvisation and focusing more on fittingness and creating a harmony um, on the go rather than coming with some sort of, of grand plan. I mean, if we look at humanity so far, ever since we've become industrial, an industrialized society, um, there's a there's a strong bias towards this control aspect of things so everything is very controlled and we have a plan we go execute it and we achieve great things technologically but you know it's very debatable whether we're actually getting any happier in the process or are living better lives in the process so I I, I would I, I always have to concede that, that you know the lives of neolithic hunter-gatherers who were, um, eaten for breakfast by lions—that that's one aspect, but actually it doesn't say that uh, their lives up until that point weren't good. And we need to find um, uh, a point in the in the center there that is kind of a compromise because there's it's it's almost a paradox. And I myself have to think about it more, and maybe you will have a, a good insight about this. But it's really interesting how improvising just. Doing the thing, not knowing how it's going to end, actually consistently produces better things in the end rather than, um, well, I, I actually, I, I could say that, you know, it's just imposing something with force or with even stronger word violence on something it's, it's going to have a predictable outcome, but there's going to be a whole lot of entropy somewhere else, which is exactly what we see with the ecosystems which we inhabit. So we finally make this amazing thing that's like the metro in Lisbon or a whole city or... Uh, um, You know, whatever they do under in Switzerland, like smashing the atoms together, the CERN thing, uh, the Hadron Collider. We can achieve these things, but in order to do that, there's a a different part of the globe that we haven't considered as part of the plan, which now lays in ruins, right? So there's a a rainforest that's not there anymore because it wasn't part of our thinking because our, our thinking wasn't holistic enough right yeah. whereas yeah. if we interacted moment by moment with things and thought about things holistically we would get maybe at a later point and that's maybe maybe not even but we it would maybe take us a bit longer to get to the level of technology that we have but all the while we would continue to be people who flourish and do
1: yeah.
0: well in life, and you know, thinking about philosophically, we we really we we probably would decide to do something that's not so technologically advanced, but which you know the process actually involves feeling good uh, throughout yeah.
1: the time. Yeah, yeah, in in uh, like uh, more harmonious growth, like more uh, harmonic. I'm not saying so, but bringing more harmony to to human growth. Uh, Yeah, that makes a little sense. Like the way I think about this is, uh, and once again, I know I'm jumping back to to music metaphors and and just going all the way, but like (laughs) like, it's easier for me to speak that way. Uh, Like the way, so when you're a musician and you're starting to learn how to improvise, you actually don't learn how to improvise. What happens is you learn certain patterns and then you impose those patterns in music. Right? And mm-hmm. if I see, say, like a C major chord, I know that, oh, this line that I have or this, uh, this, this pattern that I study on the guitar will sound great, so I'll play that. And technically it makes sense, and it does sound good because if that's the chord, those notes fit, but like, it goes against the flow of the music. Right. Mm. And so but in the beginning, you need to do this. You need to learn all these patterns and and try to impose them on music until suddenly you Mm -hmm. realize, as a lot of musicians do, as I did, like, I know this is sounding good, but it's not what I want to play. And there's like there's this difference because I believe as a musician and maybe as human beings as well, like we want the greater good, right? And sometimes wanting the greater good is to do things that maybe are not that easy or they're not even the things that are supposed to be done, but like the things that we really want to do, right? And so that's when real improvisation begins. I, I usually say that I, I, I spent three years learning how to just play notes at, at random. And then I started to improvise because it was a moment where I realized, well, I'm tired of patterns. And, and I want to come up with, with something that truly comes from the, my inside, right? I, I want to be able to play whatever I'm feeling to play. And mm-hmm. that was only possible because, first of all, I had studied all the patterns, and those weren't serving anymore. And I stopped wanting to play. Started to understand what the music wants me to play, right? Mm-hmm. So, basically, if if I if I want to say it in another way, it would be I started to I stopped rationalizing so much and started to play more intuitively with my intuition. And and you can only do that. You can only take decisions in in a, in an intuitive way by being very aware of whatever happening around you right and this brings brings back to the point that you were saying about being holistic about being because like the way the reason why we're able to have like the, the connection you're making like the subway in lisbon and then you have like an amazon forest the amazon forest that's going down is because ah when I made the decision that promoted one and denied the other, I wasn't aware that I was denying that. I was only yep. focused on my thing, right? Yes. And and once again, I, I think that ties back to the educational system in a way, which is basically I'm being programmed to be a to 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 play the game that's in front of me, right? Or that game, the competition game, the the growth game, the best grade game, right? And if I, I want to be, the, I want to have the best grade. And if I want to have the best grade, I won't be worried about how my peer is doing. I don't care about them. Right. right and if we see this in a small class where if i'm if i'm following this game i don't care about other people's grades i want my grade because i want to be the best because i want to get into whatever college it is like if if we're not able to see this in a small class how could, how can we expect to see that as a global scale right but the problem is that our thinking is, is molded by the educational system, and the educational system is promoting precisely that type of thinking, the focus on whatever's in front of you, on your path, forget about the others, what, what matters is you, right, as an individual. And, and so by switching that, by, by maybe by helping people to become more aware, even if it's just their surroundings, their families, their peer groups, just become more aware of those. Maybe if we do that, we can start like this ripple effect once again that helps us the next time that we make a big decision to think about not only like I'm going to build this particle collider that's three times better than the one that they have in Switzerland, but instead of thinking about this way, and I, I may think, well, but if I do this, what effects will that have on the kids in Nigeria, for instance? Because right. that's where I'm going to get the lithium to build whatever it is, right? Uh, and so I, I think that that's, I, and I'm not sure if this is a solution, but but like, that would be like, to me, like a route that we could explore to increase the awareness of our surroundings in order to, to become more holistic thinkers.
0: No, absolutely. I think, you know, this really takes um, from the jazz sessions that you mentioned. And on this podcast, I discussed uh, improv theater before with Paul Valencourt and Nico Sabatil. And It always um, is striking how this teaches you, you know, just what you said, make the other people in the band sound good. Sound good. And it really puts you in a situation that is really interesting uh, because you are able to then transcend yourself, right? And really give your soul to something bigger than yourself, which just inherently feels good to us. And I think that a lot of people... And, and this is kind of a, of a sickness probably in the West is the is the, like the strong att- attachment to the ego and to the self um, are afraid that if you transcend something or you don't get the credit, like we really want to get the credit still. And for that, I think we break down the, 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 um, the positive sum game into a zero sum game because then we can make sure that there's a credit out there to be given to us and us only, of course we miss completely the point that you know actually having other people who are who are who are happy around us, which is the equivalent of people who sound better in a band like the um, the analogy would be people who are doing well in your family, in your village, these greatly assist us in actually living well, and also any kind of symphony even though you're transcended and you're just maybe a small part in a band you know one quarter of a band or if it's a whole symphony really you may be one of 100 players or something Um, people can still break it down and analyze it and see oh you know this part is doing its part really well and this part is performing really well and you're not you're not gone you know the people who can perceive the harmony and are willing to analyze the thing which you participate in are actually going to see the role that you play in it and because they also are committed to a positive some game they're actually going to reach out to you and say good job João you know
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you're not going to suffer from this annihilation of the ego that I think many of us are so afraid of um, yeah. and, and we're afraid of, again, education system, culture, we're, we're taught to be afraid of. Yeah.
1: And like in that example, I like two ideas a lot. So the first one is uh, when 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 you have a small part to play in that 100 orchestra playing that symphony and you're like, oh, I don't have the credit. I think that the, the, the question is like, what credit do you want? Because if you want the credit from the audience, sure, you won't get it. But, like, the five musicians that are like near to you, they need your note in order to know mm. where the symphony is to play, right? So, if you focus on the credit that the audience will give you, you'll get none. Like, if you're in the symphony, like, there's two people that are going to get the credit three, <laughs> basically the conductor, right. the first violinist, and if there's a soloist, the soloist. Everyone oh, the else composer, just like, probably, Yeah, yeah, so yeah. But probably the composer is dead, basically, because yeah, we're dude, no, we don't have modern symphony, So, care. yeah it doesn't it doesn't work but like but, but you you won't have you won't get that credit but like the whole the other musicians around you will be damn grateful that you're playing like the role and yeah. they'll give you the whole credit so that's something very important the second one is and i truly i truly believe this like if you're one of those people that are able to go through a score in symphony and understand oh maybe this clarinet right here we don't hear it as the main uh melody but like Actually, this single note is what makes this chord sound like, because this happens a lot in music. So you'll have like a band playing a bunch of different things, but like you you have like this specific instrument, a set of instruments playing one note that makes the chord actually sound good. Uh, well, otherwise it would be just like this weird thing, but like that mm-hmm. one note that pierces through is actually what holds it all together. And if wow. you're someone who can actually analyze that, I think that you have the duty to go around with people that cannot analyze and say, look, let me show you something. You see this all score. The only reason why you think that this sounds good is because these guys are doing that and that. And and if people were understanding that, they'd be like, oh, really? That's awesome, I had no idea. I was just listening to the violin singing instead of listening to that guy over there that has like this pedal note, this very low note saying that allows for everything else to to, to come together, right? Mm -hmm. So I truly believe that that's important as well. If you're someone who who, who is able to understand like the harmony, not only music, but like in any other craft, right? If you're able to understand that, I think you have a duty to go around and teach that to other people so other people can notice it and they can also understand it better and have more um and feel not only more grateful but more appreciative of the fact that there's this one clarinet holding the band all the band together and instead of being focused on this very crazy violinistic solo it may be that's great and you should value that but also don't forget to value like that single clarinet that's holding the band all together by playing that single note um and i think if you understand that you have a moral duty to inform others so they can
0: yeah that's that that, i love i love these points um yeah aj jacobs who's been on this podcast uh Wrote a whole book where he went and said thank you to anybody involved with his cup of coffee that he drinks in the morning. So, you know, that took him all over the world. But it strikes me as a good example of somebody who's actually appreciating Doing the it. fact that it takes yeah. a lot to produce one cup of coffee. You know, it's not just the barista. It's yeah. not just the driver who brought it, um, but also the pre- for the person who grew it in Colombia or yeah. wherever. Yeah. Um so, yeah, shout out to AJ about that. I think that that's a brilliant idea to show how we're interconnected. And, yeah, um, yeah you know, it, it we, goes around that even though you might not know somebody by name, um, you understand that there is credit to be given to them and there is appreciation. And I think that if you, if you look at it like it's something that I noticed in my life, people will be a lot more willing to get dirty, like physically dirty and do the, the jobs that we consider menial, like assembly assembly line worker or something like that. Actually, if you have a group of people who are good friends who are doing something, it really doesn't matter what you're doing, right? You might as well be doing assembly line work. What what does it matter? You're having a great time with friends and that's going to make any kind of job um, a good thing, like you say, because... Really, assembly line workers, if they develop faster ways to like move the parts around, it's, it's almost like improvising like a, a jazz band at any yeah. point. Um, and I think that if we look at jobs that people don't want to be uh, doing, like uh, hard labor uh, jobs and stuff like that, I think that would change a lot if people would actually get credit and recognition that they're doing something important like i know i in the past got to do some things which were completely inconsequential and unimportant but because i was doing them as part as a group as part of a group it was great fun
1: yeah yeah and 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 to add on that point like i think that sometimes uh, we we think about oh the the education system is wrong. Everyone should be like these entrepreneurs and these software engineers and these musicians and these artists. And I'm like, well, no. Like there's people doing those kinds of jobs that love it. Like you 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 were recently in Portugal and we met in Alcobaça. And like one of the things that you told me was that you were surprised by how clean the streets, everything was. And I told you that, well, that's because at 6 a.m. there's a lot of people that just wake up and they just pick up all the garbage from the from the last night so that people when people wake up at 8 a.m at 8, 8 30 mm-hmm. they can go around the, the 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 streets and go like oh this is so clean amazing right right and 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 so and i, I remember that because i knew that a, a few years ago when i was still living in Alkabas, i would get up really early to go to run and uh, to go running and every time that i met one of those i would say good morning I remember that there was this one one person that I kept running up to and one day I, I finished my race uh, my run uh, near him and we just chatted for a bit and he told me that he had been doing that for like I don't know almost like 10 years and he loved it because he felt that he was helping the people to to just go around and have more fun right and now and back then I still believed that idea that oh everyone should be like this big entrepreneur or, or mm-hmm. this Mo- like yeah, make, make something with your life yeah. yeah yeah and suddenly like he he telling me that was like oh yeah there's people that are going to to enjoy this right and once once that happened i, I was i once again my awareness was yeah. raised raised up to a way where i could see that there are people that in my old view I would look at and think oh maybe these people this this person doesn't like what he's doing maybe he needs help to to just win more skills and to be able to to do it another thing but if we talk with these people there are some of them that need that help but a lot of them just enjoy doing that right and and so like I think that there's also part of what you're saying in a sense that, that is. First of all, of course, it's awesome to get credit, but also like there are people that are fully—they are so passionate about their jobs, regardless mm-hmm. of kind of job that is—that that they're happy basically. They're happy in yeah. doing that, and 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 I think it's important for us to to be appreciative of that, of course, and give them credit if they want, but also to not—and this is this is a message more for me than from anybody else, but just to remind mm-hmm. me of not judging whoever is in front of me doing a job that I thought, oh, that job is not, he doesn't deserve that job. No, he deserves because that's what he wants to do, right? And and to bring, raise that awareness, I think it's something very important, at least to me, once again.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what is something that you're uh, improvising these days? Like, how does it show up in your life today, the improvisation?
1: Yes. Yeah, so first of all, one of them is, is still music, like le- this year, and I wanted to, to take that to le- to next year as well. Like I, have, I did a bunch of concerts that were 100% improvised. Uh, so I would just go with the guitar, with the loop pedal, and I would just ask for someone to say a note. And usually people know, like see uh A B C D E F G and they would say oh like A minor and from there on I would improvise like a bunch of different songs. Uh so that's one way. The other way is conversations uh like this not only being interviewed uh in your podcast but also interviewing other people on the podcast um on my own podcast like that's also uh some a way where improvising comes improvisation uh appears in my life and Finally, like I'm doing as a freelancer, I'm doing a bunch of workshops and training sessions. And that's also always a context where I use a lot of of, of improvisation uh, as well. So I guess those would be like the big three. And then I try to improvise on the kitchen uh doing some kind of this, but usually it doesn't go that well. So uh I still need to work on the competence yeah, part not of, yet of that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think those those would be some some of the areas.
0: Man, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I really like this uh conversation. And um yeah before we wrap up, I'd like you to make more explicit what this podcast of yours is about. I've been on it. Yeah. It was great fun, and I listened to uh, several other episodes and loved them all. Um, yeah, so you can share that with people and anything else that you want.
1: Yeah, so the the podcast is called the Modern Golden Age Podcast. Uh, I believe that humanity uh, can actually be uh, on 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 the brink of, of of getting into a modern golden age, and even though I don't know what that looks like i want to interview a lot of people that have different ideas about it and try to understand the common pattern so we can have like this guide field to to get there so the podcast is the modern golden age podcast you can also follow me like most of my ideas are either on twitter at joao l mateos uh and i can send the, the link to you so you can add it on the show notes and also if you want to read like my uh bigger ideas my bigger essays that would be uh, once again joaoelmateos.substack.com uh and please hit me up i'm i'm i love talking with people i love to 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 know more people to make more friends online that's something i learned a lot with you uh so so anyone that wants to reach out re- to reach out please do and i would love to, to talk with you
0: that's awesome what does the l stand for in joao el mateos
1: it's my sir It's another one of my surnames, which is Lopes. So my full name is João Lopes. Lopes Mateus. Yeah. Nice.
0: Um, yeah, this is fantastic, João. Really had a, a great, great time just riffing with you on that, and I yeah. think I'm getting a better idea of what a modern golden age would be. I know I shared my vision, but now I'm thinking another way of saying it would be just when humanity finally fucking gets up and starts playing
1: jazz right <laughs> yes that's the that's the <laughs> definition right there i'm going to print that and and just have it on a wall uh because it makes 100 percent sense thank you so much El. it was a real pleasure to be here it was really fun and i hope you yeah can
0: till talk. next time Yeah. Muito obrigado.
1: yeah. Obrigado.